Good evening and welcome to Channel 17 Town Meeting Television's continuing coverage of Town Meeting 2020. We're here today with Amy Bovey, who is the Assistant Clerk in the City of Burlington, and we are going to be talking about some of the ballot questions that will be in front of the voters in on March 3rd. Actually, so we're doing a continuing series of forums here at Town Meeting Television. We're so happy you could join us. Our number is 862-3966. I'm not sure if we turned the phones on, but if we did, we're ready to take your calls. And um, Amy, why don't we start? There are there are four um, questions on the ballot for Burlington voters. Yes, that's correct. And we're going to take number four first because that is actually your area of expertise. And that is a proposed charter change for the changes to local election dates. Yes, that's correct. So tell us the problem that this charter change is trying to solve. Sure, so under our current system, um, the state law requires that ballots be ready for a state election 45 days before, um, but it only requires local ballots to be available 20 days before an election. Um, there's also a series of deadlines for candidates to submit petitions, for ballot questions to be adopted that don't allow us to prepare city ballots any earlier than 20 days. So we're talking really about November elections, is that right? Yes. And that primary, primaries in November or just November is this the issue? Mostly just November, yep. Um, so this is proposing that we make a change so that all ballots are ready 45 days in advance of any election. Um, this would allow city staff to send both ballots uh, at the same time in one mailing. Um, which would reduce our administrative burden and also save quite a bit of money in um, postage and supplies and that type of thing. And it sounds like the return, uh, based on the 2016 numbers that you looked at, which was a presidential election, it's a high turnout. You sent out ballots for the presidential election and you sent a little later the ballots for the Burlington questions and the return rate was different. That's right. We found that in many cases we would receive back the general election ballot, but folks weren't returning the local election ballot um, and kind of missed the opportunity to uh, voice their opinions on those local uh, ballot questions. So our hope is that by sending them all in one mailing, we can um, increase participation in the local component of a November election. Excellent. Would you mind just reading the ballot question so that we have that for the record and people know what they're going to see? I know that often when I go into the polling place, it's the first time that I've seen the actual language. Well, not me, because I look at them <laughs> all the time, but I, when I'm not running election results, it's, um, so if you don't mind, just Reading sure. it off for us. I'd yeah. be happy to. So this will be question four on the ballot. The title is a proposed charter change, re-changes to local election dates. Uh, shall the charter of the city of Burlington, Acts of 1949, number 298, as amended, be further amended to change the timeliness in Article 2, elections and city meetings, city elections, Section 3, Article 3, warnings, Section 6, and Article 8, Method of Conducting Elections, Section 22, for submission of petitions relating to charter changes, ballot questions, and candidates in special elections, all elections other than the annual city meeting, so that local ballots are available during state elections at the same time as state ballots, 45 days prior to the election. Now, if this is approved by voters, does it have to be approved by the legislature because it's a charter change? Yes, it would. Yep, all charter changes are sent to the legislature and um, finally would have to be signed by the governor. 
Okay, so that is, um, it's like a housekeeping matter, isn't it? Yes, yep, it's um, really just going to help the administrative process and also allow voters some uh, additional time to cast their early ballots. How much money do you think it will save? Um, is it in the background here? Yeah, it's hard to say off the top of my head, but we think it could really reduce our postage expenses mm -hmm. by about half and also the cost of all of the envelopes and supplies. Um, also harder to calculate the time savings um, for our staff, but we would certainly see a more efficient process from our staff. I mean, if you're sending out 6,000 ballots, then that's 50 cents a ballot, right? It certainly adds up. It would yeah. be thousands of dollars saved. Okay, yes. well, awesome. Well, um, in the absence of the mayor, why don't we just go over what the first three ballot questions are um, so that we can brief people about their, again, we're talking about the Burlington ballot questions, and there are four of them, and you'll be voting on them on the 3rd of March. Not the 3rd of February, the 3rd of March. So this first one is the approval of the school budget for fiscal year 2021. Yes, that's correct. That's um, the budget question that we see each year um, for voters to approve. Um, would you like me to read yeah. it? Yeah, well, we okay. can, um, well, actually the mayor is here, but while he gets himself settled, this is a $91.5 million school budget. And it looks like it's about a, well, it's an increase from the previous year. Hello, Mayor. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited to be here, too. That's Thank fine. We're not, we haven't done a show together in a long, no. long time. Like no, it's really a pleasure to have you. We just went over number four. Great. Um, and we are just, your timing is perfect. And I'm just also going to let folks know that you can give us a call at 862-3966 if you have any questions for the mayor or for Amy Bovey, who is an assistant clerk in the consolidated <coughs> clerk treasurer's office in the city of Burlington, where I just sent my property tax bill, except it goes to Albany. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I paid it early. Okay, so the school budget, what's the increase that we're looking at this year? So um, the school district, um, did come and present to the, the city council uh, a, a presentation I was there for. The things changed a few years back, right? So the city council doesn't have a direct role in that. But the, there, um, what the ballot item will say is that the budget represents um, it's approximately 5.6 percent mm -hmm. increase in um, expenses, uh, and the way and what that will translate to exactly in terms of people of a property tax increase is always at this stage of the process, a little uncertain because this is a statewide property tax and there are all sorts of factors that get set in Montpelier that don't totally get nailed down until um, a later date. But that 5.66% uh, is a, um, at least gives voters a sense of what they can uh, anticipate. Uh, of course, each individual, given the, given the way school funding works as well, people need to, um, <coughs> take it take uh, into consideration what their personal financial situation is and that there is um, uh, you know essentially an, an income test on 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 people's uh, with the education part of the property tax bill so it is always a little bit challenging to this part of our system to lay out exactly what the impact will be but it is a approximately 5.6 percent expense increase is what the budget um, includes um, my understanding is the district um, uh, what is in, what what is driving that is basically 
the um, current level of staffing throughout the district, um, the inflation that is kind of built into the construct to the contracts that they have for labor, plus they are anticipating in that starting to draw down um, some of the bonding capacity and paying new debt service that voters authorized uh, a year ago with respect to um, a significant investment in a new high school that, that their budget anticipates starting to pay some debt service on on that new cost. So, so we have had a. Um we will have a budget presentation from the school district, so that will go into the detail. But can I just ask you just yes. a quick follow-up question on this? So when the bond <coughs> for the high school is passed or a bond is passed, yep. is that uh, – so am I understanding you correctly that the ongoing debt payment isn't actually included in the cost of the bond? It's included in subsequent operating budgets? That's my understanding of, of the way it works on the on the school side, and it's essentially the way it works on the city side as well. The the um, uh, let me describe how it works on the city side, and then explain how it's a little bit different on the on the education side. On the city side, um, people may remember back in 2016, um, people voted on a 27 and a half million dollar authorizing the city to bond for up to 27 and a half million dollars to make infrastructure investments. So in our sidewalks and our uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know that bond includes sidewalks, fire engines, bike paths, streets. It was it was a pretty broad range of infrastructure investments. Um, the we at the time gave people estimates of how quickly we would draw that down and what the impact would likely be on their you know what what the, what kind of increase they can anticipate seeing each year, based on what would be the new what would be the added cost essentially to our operating budget. Um, uh, what would be the added annual debt service payments that, and uh, how would they go escalate up um, as we drew down more and more of that bond. And we've, we, we really quite religiously look at that number and feel like you know, this is the commitment we made to voters and we really um, work hard to keep it within that range even though there are a number of variables in there that um, uh, make it you know, something that we have to work at. But, um, and so there were anticipations in there about how quickly the money would be drawn down what kind of interest rates you would have, et cetera. Um, on the school side, it has all of that complication um, and you have just the incredible complication of the statewide school financing system, which is that you know, it is not a direct relationship between the debt, um, just the, the, the budget is in some ways spread out um, over the whole statewide financing system, which makes it even kind of harder to project for people exactly what the impact will, will, will be on them. We have, and I actually feel pretty good about this, and I, I hope it's reassuring to voters as they vote on all these financial matters. We do now, at, when the school district came and said we want to take out this $70 million in bonding to build this new high school, that really caused us to think hard about what is the total kind of bonding capacity of the community, and to think of that um, as, as if it was a completely shared capacity between the district and the city. The reality is a little more complicated than that because of the way the statewide system works, but we have a policy between us that says there's only so much debt the two entities should take on together, and, uh, and, and that metric was set based on independent metrics that are out there from Moody's or credit rating agencies and others about what is a reasonable amount of a debt for, an, uh, for a community like ours to take on. So I, I hope that's somewhat reassuring to people that we do have some real guardrails on how much uh, debt 
cumulatively between the district and the city that we are going to allow ourselves to take on. So to recap, question yeah. one is the approval of the school budget. Um, it's a $91.5 million school budget and includes increased costs for uh, labor, which is the biggest cost, and also some debt service that has been expanded because of the high school investment. Yes, that's my understanding. They are anticipating, even though that project is still some ways from construction, that they're going to begin to draw down on some, some of that. They have actually begun to draw down on some of that bonding for design costs and other pre-development costs. Wonderful. So number two. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is increase in public safety tax rate. Great. So <clears throat> I have a number of things to say about this. So um, the main um, you know, the main driver of this, and like everything else in city government, it's there's some complication to it, but the main driver and need for this public safety tax increase, which is the first increase in the dedicated taxes for public safety since, I believe, 2000. Um, uh, five. It's about 15 years. I might be a year or two off on that. Um, uh, the public safety tax is a kind of is a is a dedicated tax within the overall municipal property tax, where the revenues generated by that can only be used for fire and police services. We are asking for a significant increase in that public safety tax um, to uh, add to expand the city service in an important way. We currently have two ambulances that serve the whole city. We have reached the point in our evolution where those ambulances are quite busy. We, um, because, of the, because of population growth, because of the aging of, of our population, because of changes in uh, the way that this service is used, we see every year the number of calls for emergency services going up. And we have reached the point now where our two ambulances are approximately as busy as our one ambulance was about 20 years ago um, when we made the decision to go from one to two. So we are going to voters and saying, if you want to, if you, the, the, we think the time is right to expand our ambulance services to have three ambulances. The third one will be housed in the new North End. Uh, we will keep the other two. One is on uh, the southern part of North Avenue. Um, uh, Station 2 in the southern part of North Avenue, and we also have the, uh, the, the other ambulance at uh, Central Station. That would be a, our new system. Um, uh, for us to afford to do that, um, we need an increase in this public safety tax because it is quite costly to take on a, a third ambulance. There, we will need to hire nine additional firefighters, EMTs, to staff that ambulance fully because you have to staff three shifts a day of two person, uh, sorry, three, three shifts. They, they work 24 hour shifts, not three shifts a day, but three separate shifts. Um, uh, that's six people right there. And then what we have found over the years is if you only hire those six people, you have an issue every time that someone goes out on vacation or sick leave or whatever. So we actually uh, are projecting that we will hire nine new firefighters, which is uh, a big increase because we currently only have, I believe it's 79 firefighters total. So this is a significant expansion of, of that department. It's what we need to do to continue to provide the level of service that I think Burlingtonians have uh, grown accustomed to. Um, the good news, um, uh, or at least the way we um, have talked about it with the council, and I think the reason why the council, I believe, unanimously supported putting it on the ballot, I'm almost sure it was a unanimous vote, um, it was a unanimous vote, uh, is that 
we, it, the, the logic goes like this. It is a, it, the, the increase is about three and a half percent to your municipal property tax bill. So if you look at just the municipal section of your total property tax bill, which for uh, most, um, for people who pay, pay you know, the full uh, property taxes on the education side, it's about 30% of your property tax bill is the municipal side of that. You can anticipate a three and a half percent increase from that if you vote yes. Um, that is the largest uh, kind of operating tax increase that um, we have come forward to voters with in the last nine years. We have been tried to stay very conscious um, uh, of, of, we know that Burlingtonians and Vermonters pay a lot in property taxes and we, none of us like coming with, with an increase. Um, uh, to put in perspective this increase, um, we look over the nine budgets that, I, that I've been responsible for and the increase in operating taxes over those nine years, um, even it, you know, with this three and a half percent, if this passes, will be below the rate of inflation over that nine year period of time. So I offer that in that I, I want constituents to know that um, we are aware that there are many demands on their dollars and that we, are, we try to bind ourselves to the discipline of staying within the rate of inflation. And we've succeeded with that um, with respect to the kind of operating expenses for the city over the last nine years. All right. Well, we're talking about the second ballot question that will be in front of the voters of Burlington on the 3rd <coughs> of March. And um, that is an increase in the public safety tax rate. And that's about a three and a half, is that right, a three and a half percent increase in the overall city tax? Yes, three and a half percent. And people can, can count on that. Right. They can do the math themselves on that, on their municipal, their total municipal bill. So let's take this call. Good evening. You're on the air. You have a question for the mayor, Amy Bovey, our assistant clerk. Oh, um, sorry. I must be calling a little early. I have a question for um, the candidates in Ward 8. Should I call back later? Um, yeah, call back at 6. At 6. Okay, great. Awesome. Very much. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Great. All right. Teeing them up. They're lining them up. <laughs> um, so number three is the charter change regarding the housing trust fund. Could you explain that and tell us what that means for the voters? I can. Um, the city, um, approximately 20 years ago, was a real leader in national, uh, nationally um, in terms of how we tried to address our housing affordability challenges and that we created a local housing trust fund and funded it with local property tax revenues um, <clears throat> to give us some additional resources uh, that goes beyond, we, we had significant resources from the state and, and federal government for affordable housing. Um, having local resources, however, helps us um, uh, do more with that money. It helps us access more of that dollars, those dollars, because we can um, move quickly when opportunities um, arise. It has been a very important um, part of the reason why Burlington has been able to create so much permanently affordable housing over you know the last the last 20 years. Um, the uh, up until now. Um, uh, there has not um, really been, there has been sort of an informal um, division within the, the property taxes that we collect that um, about, uh, that basically a half of a penny was set aside for um, the, the housing trust fund. That, that has never been mandated until now. What this charter change will do will say going forward, um, there will be a full penny, um, uh, which amounts to about $400,000 a year that uh, will be collected by the city and put into this housing trust fund to use to create 
and retain permanently affordable housing. The other big change here is um, that uh, the way that basically this is being structured in a way, written in a way that that $400,000 will rise with inflation over time. Unlike currently, um, that has not happened. So whereas we, uh, whereas we have for a long time um, put in about $200,000 a year into the housing trust fund um, as a result of the kind of vote 20 years ago to create this, that $200,000 buys you less and less each year. It is eroded with inflation over time. This fixes that and ensures that these resources will, will grow over, over time. I'll add to that, we are looking, in a, we, we, we want to do, we think ha uh, affordable housing is one of the biggest challenges that we face as a community. Um, we, for the property tax burden reasons we were talking about before, we don't think we should go more than um, uh, this one penny that's being proposed. We are going to look for other ways to add resources uh, to the housing trust fund that don't involve property taxes to expand um, <clears throat> that investment even, even further. For example, one thing that's being considered is some kind of, uh, there's, we're having this big discussion about short-term rentals when people rent out properties, you know, Airbnb, VRBO type rentals. Um, we're exploring the possibility of somehow uh, if the, those rentals generating more revenues uh, for this housing trust fund. So, but to, to make it simple again for people, I, when you start talking about housing, I can go on and on. This is a dedicated one penny tax. The average homeowner um, will pay about $23 a year um, if this, uh, if, if this, if this passes. But already a half a cent is already going towards this. There are already investments that are being made in, in the current budget. This would in, ensure going forward, this would be a, a dedicated uh, one penny going forward. And I'm, you can think of it as $24, about for the average property tax owner, $23 a year. Can you just give us a quick example yeah. of what this housing trust fund is used for? Yeah, I can. Here's the one, one of my favorite ones, and it, cause it kind of happened during my time as mayor, and it was really dramatic to me how this played out, and I really don't know that we would have been able to get this done any other way if we didn't have this resource. People may remember a few years ago, the Farrington family um, decided to sell the mobile home park that they had owned for many years, and there was a lot of concern when they put that on the market that um, <clears throat> that might be bought up by investors and the end up displacing the mobile, um, the, you know, the owners of the mobile homes that were on the site. The city was able to move quickly with these flexible dollars um, to support the residents as they really took control of their future, put in place an agreement where they, they actually purchased the, excuse me, they purchased uh, the, the park from the Farringtons. Um, the city's money was a tiny uh, amount of the overall purchase. They did the, they did the heavy lifting and the, the hard work, but the fact that we had some flexible resources that were available immediately played a, a key role in them being successful at that and being able to put agreement in place um, quickly. That um, you know has really allowed them to allowed them to take control of their future. And now, if people have been through there recently, they're really doing a lot to upgrade that property. They've brought in some new, very energy efficient homes that have. Uh, uh, result in new investment in that property, and they're doing other things now to uh, upgrade the infrastructure. It's uh, it's exciting to watch, and um, it was it, uh, I, th I think you know, and the result is more than a hundred um, homes that are are you know they're not actually regulated permanently affordable, but they are sort of by the nature of what those homes are, they are likely to be a really unusual form of. Uh, quite affordable housing in this community for generations to come. So that's that's one 
recent example. Thank you so much. So we have, just to recap, there are four ballot <coughs> questions that the Burlington voters will be voting on on the 3rd of March. Um, the first is the school budget approval, which the mayor has spent some time explaining, but if you want more detail, you can certainly watch the school board presentation from the city of Burlington. Of course, we have all the school budget presentations from communities around us that are voting, so you can tune in here at Channel 17. <laughs> um, and then there will be number two, question two is an increase in the public safety tax rate, which is for new ambulance and the staff to support the ambulance, which is firefighters, so those are pretty highly qualified and technically, I mean, they're compensated at a rate that reflects their expertise. And then um, the proposed charter change in the housing trust fund, which is to really codify it, move it from a half cent sort of informally to a cent. That's right. And, and, then, and to have it rise with inflation. And have it rise with inflation. And number four is the charter change regarding the local election dates, which if I remember correctly, why don't you sum it up one more time? Yes, that will allow the city to have local election ballots available at the same time as state election ballots and streamline our early voting process as well as give voters a lo longer opportunity to cast their early ballots. And that really plays out in the November elections, the general elections? Yes. Okay, when there may be their state level, national level, and also local issues. Exactly. Wonderful. So I want to thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for working so hard. Um, you know, it's kind of nice and neat on a piece of paper, but the backstory on all of these represents a lot of work and a lot of um, a lot of democracy in action, really. So thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for watching. And stay tuned here to Channel 17 for continuing coverage of Town Meeting 2020.